if we lack the energy, if we're not inspired by what we're working on or doing, well, it's going to be so difficult to focus because the first distraction that comes up, it's going to, it's, it's going to win. That distraction is going to win over your focus because you don't really have a emotional connection to what you're working on. Mm -hmm. So when you are in a position in which you're energized by the work that you're doing, guess what? Focus will come easy. Focus will just flow from that place that you're, that you're operating from. Hell on earth is when you get to the end of your life and the person you became meets the person you could have become. And, and that's where spiritual exhaustion comes in. It's the gap between who you are now versus who you are meant to be. podcast my name is Tomo Hoffman and I will be your host today and in the future episodes so welcome to the lifestyle mastery podcast hey friends welcome to a episode number 23 of the lifestyle mastery podcast today's episode it is highly interesting especially when it comes to energy focus and the management of the two this episode is with Simon Ong, who is a, another life coach, but also a business strategist from UK. I've been connecting with Simon on LinkedIn for quite a while, checking out his content, which is powerful to say the least. And today's discussion is, as I mentioned, all around the idea about energy, how we can energize our life and our business, and also, how we can then, as a byproduct, find more focus and purpose and fulfillment to our life and business, as I mentioned. So a few words about Simon and his endeavors and what he's been up to lately, especially. First of all, he's a regular speaker in international events outside of UK, as well as within UK, hosted by companies like Google, London School of Economics, Parklays, Salesforce, uh, 10 Downing Street, NetWest, Enterprise, Nation, and Microsoft. He is also being featured in places like Sky News, BBC Radio London, LPC Radio's Business Hour show, and for Parkless UK adverts. So he's definitely no stranger to public speaking or being up in stages and speaking to a large audiences. So I really, truly enjoyed this discussion. I would highly, highly recommend that you take a pen and paper, long-handed, take notes, because there are a lot of insights and extremely valuable takeaways available on this episode when it comes to energy, focus, and anything and everything that goes around it. And we definitely dive a little bit deeper into Simon's own story. And as I mentioned in the beginning also, to, towards how to find your purpose and how maybe curiosity drives that uh, urge to find purpose in our lives. So I truly hope you enjoy this piece. I enjoyed it a lot sitting down with Simon. And as I mentioned, it is chock-a-blocked full of insights. So I highly recommend tuning in, taking some notes. And uh, as always, I would love to know how this piece resonates with you. Without further ado, I will give you Simon Simon, how are you doing? Tuomo, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest on your show. I'm having a fantastic week at the moment. The weather here in the UK is incredible. Uh, so that certainly helps to uplift my own energy. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I've moved away from Finland a little while ago, so I know all about the sort of Scandinavian and the European weather up there. So <laughs> you, you're lucky to have that one right there. Um, just uh, just to let's jump straight into it. I, I like to kind of dive straight into it. And for, for the people that don't know you, I mean, you, you just wrote a book and obviously there's a you, you're quite active on the social media and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. But I wanted to sort of maybe backtrack a little bit and who was Simon at 16 years old? What was your what, what, what were you like when you were growing up at the sort of school <laughs> school ages? What was that like? Sure. Well, when I sort of grew up, and I'm going to use a 16-year-old as a reference point because it's a nice sort of point to um, remember where I was at in life. And I, I was very much a stereotypical Chinese. Now, now, I guess what I mean by that is I was very introverted. I was shy. I, I, was, I was quiet. So mm. I would be that student at school that would be focused on getting top marks in, in all the major subjects of math and science and just really focusing on going to the next part of my education in the best possible state uh, so that I could get a ticket to a good university to uh, study something in either economics, in medicine or law. Mm. Uh, so I was very much a studious, hardworking 16-year-old. Uh, I, uh, I, I played some sport. I didn't play many sports. And, and that was because I, I was a lot bigger than, than I am now. Uh, mm. You know, I didn't really have health as my priority. Uh, every Saturday, I remember Saturday lunches were were Big Mac meal at McDonald's, oh, wow. and uh, Saturday evening was uh, was Chinese food. Uh, so that that was that was my diet, and the the only sport I was playing at the time was rugby, uh, and, and that was because the school I attended. You know, if you had good size, you were strong, then they wanted you in the rugby team. You didn't need to always have pace. You just need to have some strength about you. So mm -hmm. that was the sport I played. And I'm, it might be hard for you to imagine, Toma, but a 16-year-old Simon also had spiky hair. Oh, uh, wow. up hair. I, 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 was a, I was a big fan of Manchester United back then and uh -huh. very much influenced by David Beckham. And so, as you know, David Beckham had these his hairstyle phases he went through. And he was using a product at the time called Brill Cream. And so I was gelling my hair with Brill Cream um, just you know, to kind of spike it up like Sonic the Hedgehog. And I had that sort of hairstyle until probably you know, 17 just over, in which I decided just to shave it off one summer uh, because I didn't want to spend half an hour every day doing up my hair in the morning. And, and so I, I shaved my head off. And this was before social media was as prevalent as it is today. And so when you went away for summer holidays, everyone gets curious about what you were up to in, in the two plus months that you were away from school. And it's interesting because rumors would go around and the rumor that went around when I came back to school after that summer was Simon spent the summer practicing Kung Fu at the Shaolin Temple. Wow. Um, and as you can tell, I, I never changed my hairstyle since then, Tomo. Wow. Well, wow, that's an that's an interesting story. I never heard of that. Uh, <laughs> what were like? So you were that was sixteen, seventeen, and you went to the Shaolin Temple, and that's obviously a world famous uh, sort of martial arts school. What were the some of the bigger or long term life lessons that you took out of there? Because I mean, obviously, it probably wasn't just mm. that you cut your hair. I'm sure there was something <laughs> that you set no, you up so, for your path. 
so, so, so just to clarify, I, I actually didn't go to train at a Shaolin temple. So right. the rumor was people thought that I had. So people spread this rumor uh. that because Simon came back to school with a shaved head, he must have spent summer training right. to be a Shaolin monk. And, and so I was actually glad that rumor spread because once people thought that and I did nothing to counter the rumor, yeah. it was actually a nice way to not be to be bullied because nobody wanted to mess with the person that knew Kung Fu. And, uh, and so that rumor was a very nice one and one that worked in my favor. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's, that's a super interesting one. So let's dive into that one. Um, Cause I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of identity and mm -hmm. identity shifts and so on and so forth. But, and you, you probably know this very well as well. And I'm sure, and that that's a lot of the work that I do with, with mm -hmm. my clients as well, like shaping your sort of personal identity from the inside, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's almost sounded like, and I'm definitely in the other people's, the, your friend's view of you yeah. had changed. So you changed the identity in regards to how the other people perceived you, correct? Mm. Mm. Did that then shape you? Did that shape your behavior as well? I would be lying if I said it didn't, because I think that you do get a bit of a confidence boost when mm. people accept okay. that as a rumor. And then they start saying to you, instead of approaching you with the intention to bully or hurt you, yeah. now they approach you with the intention of, Simon, well, why don't you join our, our group? We could use someone like you in our group uh, to help defend us. And, yeah. and so suddenly you can't help but get a little bit of a confidence and self-esteem boost yeah. when that is the opinion that they hold. And yeah. so going back to what you're saying about identity, Tom, I think that perception, both the one that we have of ourselves and the one that others have of ourselves can play quite an interesting role uh, in terms of its influence on our self-confidence. Yeah, 100%. Because this, this, this other sort of notion that I always think about and call kind of back and forth with it, that there's, mm. there's this one idea that we say that we create our world and our, you know, the, the, how we see ourselves from the inside out. Mm. That's kind of obviously a little bit of the, if you call you know in a higher perspective sort of the, the eastern philosophy and then yeah. there's this western philosophy that you do you hustle you work and you 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 create yourself from the outside in mm. and i don't for me personally i don't think it's one or the other i think it's both yeah. it's, Definitely. It's that... i think i think there is very much a blend because it's like a child when a child grows up uh they will have certain thoughts about themselves but at the same time, a parent or a teacher's expectation of that child can also heavily influence how they see themselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if a teacher believes that you have potential, the way that you show up as a student will be very different than if your teacher does not believe in you mm -hmm. and does not believe you have the capability to do well in class and progress to a good university. And so, as you said to me, I do think there's a bit of both. Uh, there's a contribution from what I would call the uh, the internal environment. Uh, and there is also the contribution from the external environment. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things I talk about in, in the book Energize is that when we surround ourselves with certain types of energy, uh, we can't help but be more like that particular charge. So if we have negative influences within our energetic field, then naturally we're going to feel more negative. And if we're surrounded with positivity, then naturally we're going to feel more positive. The yeah. quality of the energy doesn't matter. Energy itself is simply infectious. 
And so we have to be so careful uh, about the external environment that, that we're surrounded by. Of course, as we get wiser, then our internal environment takes over our external environment and we have the understanding and the wisdom, if you will, uh, on how to choose the environments that we expose our mind to. But until we get to that point, I think, as you said, Tomo, there's an influence from both uh, both sides here. Yeah, that's a fantastic. So, so let's uh, let's let's get into that. So, obviously, our discussion today is is all around energy, and it's one of my mm. favorite topics. And uh, so, let's let's get into that um, energy. So, obviously, you you opened up that that box already quite a bit, and and we chatted about this before. But what would your sort of quote unquote if there's a stock answer to what is energy and how do you view this, this, this sort of puzzle when it comes to energy? Because, and the, the, the reason why I'm asking is a lot of people that are maybe new to your work or this, sure. this word of energy, they think of it as more sort of physical pursuit, like just a physical, yeah. okay, I, I can do X, Y, Z today. And that's pretty much it when it comes sure. to energy. How, how do you see it? Well, well first of all, uh, just to give some context is that, we all know what it is. Uh, we just have different terms for it, but but in essence, we're speaking about the same thing. So if you if you look at Maori culture, they, they they'll reference this as mana. Uh, if you look at my Chinese culture, they'll call this chi. Mm -hmm. um, if you practice yoga in in the yoga field, they call this prana. Mm -hmm. And uh, and if you're a fan of the Star Wars franchise, they call it the force. Mm -hmm. Now, whatever term or name we give it, we're all talking about the same thing, which is energy. And energy for me is, is the essence of, of life. It's your life force. So if we were to divide energy in, into various buckets, the one that, as you said, Tom, the one that we, uh, we think about first is physical energy because it's the one that we can observe easiest. You know, when you look at a friend or colleague and they're looking exhausted, chances are they haven't had much sleep or they're not feeding themselves right. They're eating junk or they're not, exercising as much so you can tell from their appearance and their body language that they are physically drained of energy so that's why when we think of energy the physical aspect is the first part that comes to mind because it's the one we can observe the easiest mm -hmm. the other parts are the ones that we can't always observe easily because people can put up an exterior that may not be aligned to their interior and so the other buckets i'm referring to are mental energy emotional energy and spiritual energy now, spiritual energy is, is one that affects me uh, early on in conjunction with physical energy. Now, just for clarification, what I mean by spiritual energy is when you are doing something that goes against who you are, mm -hmm. uh, your strengths and your values, that is when you become spiritually exhausted of energy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, let's say you are meant to be an artist or you are meant to be a musician but yet you pursue the traditional path of academic education, then what's going to happen is that there's going to be some tension, some tension between what you truly desire inside of your heart versus what you are actually doing on the outside. And, and that is why there is, a, there is a saying that I've seen shared very often. I don't know who originally, say, uh, who, who originally said it. That goes, hell on earth is when you get to the end of your life and the person you became meets the person you could have become. And, and that's where spiritual exhaustion comes in. It's the gap between who you are now versus who you are meant to be. Uh, and, and that's what I went through because, Tuomo, I 
grew up with a mistaken belief that success was defined by my job title. Mm -hmm. And so I, like many of us, I pursued the traditional path. And it wasn't until the financial crisis occurred because I began my career in finance that it really got me questioning what sort of impact did I want to have in the world and what did success mean to me? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized from a spiritual energy perspective that we are exhausted, not because we are doing too much, but because we're doing too little of the things that make us feel alive. And also because we're measuring our journey and our progress against other people's metrics. And so until we take back those definitions of success and impact so that we own them, mm-hmm. we're always going to be running a spiritual energy deficit. Um, so, so that's sort of the way I come at it in terms of understanding what is energy. In essence, it is our life force, but we've got to view it more than just our physical aspect. Yeah. Wow. Well, there was a lot there to, um, to unpack. And, and, and thank you for that share. First of all, I'm, I'm just not entirely sure where to go about it. But let's let's take this route. Something that is always interesting, especially maybe in mm. relation to your own story. What was that? lack of a better word, awakening or the realization or was there like a trigger point like, hey, this is not working. I'm not living on purpose. Was Mm. there like a single incident or like environmental thing or, you know, what was that sort of the the quote unquote awakening like and how how long it took for you? Sure. I, if I'm honest, I would say there was, uh, there was a couple of moments. So it was more of a series of events rather than sort of one, um, one awakening moment, if, if, sure. if I put it that way. I think the first the first event that triggered my thinking uh, that ultimately allowed me to be on the path that I'm on was the financial crisis. Mm. And that is because if that didn't happen, I, I, I'm not even sure I would be here speaking to you now, Tuomo, wow. uh, because maybe I would have progressed up the company. I would have got paid a nice bonus. I, I would have got a good title. And who knows, I would have gone on to work for a competitor and develop my career. But because the financial crisis occurred 14 months after I started my first job, Mm -hmm. I was experiencing something that my parents' generation may have experienced decades into their job, but not within the first 14 months. Mm. And so being out of the industry for the time that I was, it got me reflecting on whether this was something I actually wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So that thought process and introspection was was driven by the crisis. So that was one of the first points that started getting me to question my my current reality mm-hmm. and whether it was one that I wanted to be pursuing long term. I think the second event was after Lehman Brothers, which was the first company I worked with, I moved into uh, another company, uh, which was a hedge fund. And in this particular company, the hours were the hours were punishing. The hours were punishing in, in, in this particular job. So I would often be into, into the office around six or seven in the morning, uh, while most people will probably just be waking up. Uh, and very often I wouldn't be out until 9.30, 10 o'clock plus in the evening. Wow. And so these were long hours. And as a result, you just don't get time to go to the gym or to exercise. And then because it was very intense work, so it's not long hours and casual work. This was long hours and intense work while you were in the office. So I was very much reliant on takeaways, on junk food, just to keep me going uh, through the day. And and there was one there was one evening towards Christmas in which after I finished work, I went straight to a client event. 
And as you know, these sort of client events can go on until the early hours of the morning. And so I, I texted my, my girlfriend at the time and I said to her, I'm going to be taking the last train home. So I should be back around 1 to 1.30. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened is when I went to this club, which was underground, of course, when you go underground, your network gets cut off. So the network got cut off my phone. The drink started flowing and I just got immersed into in, into this night's entertainment. And so I was drinking away. I was partying downstairs. I completely lost track of time. And when I did get to the cloakroom and eventually stumble into the taxi that took me home, I wasn't home until around four in the morning, 3.34 in the morning. And I had to be back in the office, remember, in a couple of hours' time. And so I, I was basically burning out. I was basically burning out. And... I remember once I was in a more sober state, uh, my, my girlfriend and I sat down, we had a, we had a sort of heart to heart conversation and mm-hmm. she, she was very open to me. She said, Simon, you know, I, I think this job is just killing you. You know, I don't see you enjoying what you're doing. And if anything, it feels like this partying, this drinking that you're doing is, is just sort of an, a, a bit of escapism. Mm-hmm. You're using it as a way to numb the pain and, you know, to, to be honest, she was right. You, you, you know, I mean, it is sometimes hard to hear the truth, but, you know, I couldn't deny a lot of the things that she was saying. And so yeah. once we had that discussion, I decided the first step to change that was to address my physical energy because mm-hmm. I just didn't have any of it. I, I was literally running on empty. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I purposely did is I quit that job because that's the first thing I knew I had to do was to say mm-hmm. goodbye to that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I decided to move still in finance because I knew I couldn't really go into any other industry yet because my background was just in finance. Mm. So I would go to a different job within finance in which the hours were much kinder. So I I moved into uh, a job that was more of a nine to five. Mm. Uh, The work wasn't as intense and I could get back some of my time to focus on my health. So I started going to gym more. I started eating better. I brought packed lunch to work. And that for me was almost the next sort of step in addressing my energy. Mm-hmm. Once I had the time, I was then able to focus on the spiritual part, which was, you know, what do I really want to do long term? How am I going to use all of this extra time I now have on the weekends and after work to really start designing my life around what matters most? So I think those couple of events were, were really the beginnings to it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. And it's just it, it's interesting enough. It just reminds me of the, you know, the last guest that 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 I had on, and and he had a very similar sort of, quote unquote, trigger where where mm. where his partner as well. And it's it's a lot of the times, if it's our friends or even relatives or mm. people that kind of know us very well but are not the quote unquote loved ones, like really deep inner yeah. core, like those are the people that that can really trigger us but also Mm. can show us the honest truth like we're so quote-unquote naked in front of the our loved ones that there's a tremendous potential if we Mm. uh if we're able to listen deeply to to, to those sort of lessons and and triggers that are coming to us so fantastic um let's get into that i i have my sort of own ideas about this but when it comes to especially that kind of partying lifestyle and working 16 hours that's obviously completely unhealthy um what would you sort of obviously that's very obvious but what are the sort of other 
energy leaks or the where we sort of lose energy in our sort of day-to-day -day work or i mean even if mm -hmm. somebody's working from nine to five and they feel depleted depleted what would mm -hmm. you sort of um think that are other sort of obvious or where would you start sort of looking at those energy leaks and where where we are losing it sure well i would say the very first thing we can do which is a very simple exercise is we can literally reflect on the activities that we do every day Mm -hmm. And you, you split your page into two. On the one side, you write, what are the activities that I'm doing on a regular basis that give me energy? Mm -hmm. And what are the activities that are draining me of energy? And then what you want to notice uh, is, well, how much are you spending on each column? Are you spending most of your energy and time on the things that are depleting you? Or are you spending your focus on the things that are actually giving you energy? And for many of us, that can be a, a, an eye-opening exercise because we realize we're actually spending more time on the things that deplete ourselves of energy. Uh, one great example is we tend to feel guilty about saying no to someone, mm -hmm. whether that is a colleague, a manager, a partner, or a close friend. And so we say yes to everyone and everything at the detriment of our own self and our time. And for me, what, what helped me to uh, take that time back was realizing that every time we say yes to something, we are simultaneously saying no to something else. And we just have to be mindful that we're not saying no to the very thing that can actually move us forward. Yeah. And so once I started thinking, thinking about it from that perspective, it allowed me to spend more time on the things that actually mattered, not the things that just really didn't matter. So I think that's the first step we can do is to reflect on the things that are actually giving you energy and taking it away. The second thing is once you know that is to monitor your own feeling of energy. So throughout the day, just check in with yourself. You know, how am I feeling now in terms of my level of energy? And this is important because for me, I, I don't prescribe that we should all be early risers or we should all get up at a certain time of the day because we all have different cycles. We all have different sort of moments in which we have higher or lower energy. Mm -hmm. So once you understand your cycle, that is how we become better time managers. The problem is if we only focus on time management when it comes to productivity, we are assuming that our energy is constant throughout the whole day. We go, okay, we're going to put an hour here for this, an hour there for that. But you're assuming your energy is constant. Mm -hmm. And so in reality, what happens is that even if you block an hour to do exercise at four in the afternoon, reality is it's not going to happen. Because, you know, by the time the day gets to four and you, you've had a busy day, you're not really going to go to the gym at 4 p.m. because your energy is going to be quite low. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know that data, you can actually shift the uh, gym session to another time of the day. So this is what I mean, that when you get a better understanding of your energy, i.e. a term I use in the book, you become a better CEO, in this case, a chief, uh, chief energy officer of your life. Then what happens is that you can start to schedule your life in a far more productive way. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, it's like conducting like an energy audit, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 it doesn't have to take that long. It's like five to 10 minutes on a piece of paper. It's, 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 it can be very eye-opening, 100%. Definitely, definitely. You, you know, because a fact of the matter is that our body is always speaking to us moment to moment mm -hmm. to moment. And, and the real question is, are you listening to it? Yeah. Are you listening to what your body is telling you? Yeah, 100%. So just another kind of quick caveat from that. So maybe a little personal question to you as well. What other 
I mean, obviously, <clears throat> you wrote a book about this and so on and so forth. What are the other maybe areas or that you have to be mindful on a day-to-day basis when it comes to your own energy? Like, what are the sort of sure. schedules, routines, maybe habits that you have? Or what are the sort of, you know, areas that you, you got to pay attention to? Sure. For me, I think one that is that we often put to one side, especially if you are a very ambitious individual, mm-hmm. is moments to just do nothing moments to slow down Um, and i think that has been one of my greatest challenges but it's something that i've been very mindful about uh in in recent years especially with this book journey and so just to give an example next week uh, at the end of the at the end of this month which is march uh i am deliberately slowing down to disconnect with with my wife so we've got some days in which we're going to go out in nature Uh, we've got a spa day booked and the reason I, 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 I share this with you is because I know that in April, in which the book is out, that is going to be a busier month than normal. Mm-hmm. So what I'm deliberately doing is knowing that ahead of time, I am blocking out that week coming up to just slow things right down. Mm-hmm. So I can reset myself for when the next month comes and I know it's going to be a lot busier than average. And that ability to slow down is a superpower. You know, I don't know if you've watched the, uh, the interview that Charlie Rose did with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were sitting on a round table as a televised interview. And one of the questions that Charlie Rose asked, uh, asked Bill was, what have been some of the lessons that you have learned from your friendship uh, with Warren over the years that you have known him? So Bill shares a couple of lessons and then he goes into this very interesting lesson and he shares that, you know, I had this. I had this opportunity to peek into Warren's diary. And what surprised me was how many empty pages was in Warren's diary. Mm. And I compared it to my diary. And my diary was packed with back-to-back meetings, meetings with shareholders, meetings with stakeholders, meetings with colleagues or partners or investors. And it made me realize this isn't any way to live. Mm. This isn't any way to live. And... Warren was laughing at this moment when, when Bill was sort of sharing this, this anecdote of a story. And Warren said, you know, I think we underestimate the importance of white space. And that is because uh, in those periods, that is where the mind uh, pieces together all the uh, inputs that come into your, in, in, into your field. And so you can't join the dots. You can't make sense of all the things that you are consuming if you don't have time for those things to be connected. And Warren said that's how he became the investor that he is, because he would spend that time reading. He would spend that time thinking, joining the dots, so that when he did come back into the office or into those meetings, he came back with so much more insights. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Actually, now it rings the bell. I think I've seen eclipses mm. of that one, but <laughs> and it's it's really, especially the world that we're living in right now, which is mm-hmm. high on productivity, high performance. You know, do this, do that, hustle, work harder to actually schedule white space mm-hmm. into your calendar, that, that, that can be hard. And, um, but yeah, what, something that you said about there, you, you mentioned a little bit about the time management, and I have this my own sort of belief, and it's not entirely mine, I've mm-hmm. got it from some of the books that I've read, but the time is obviously something that is very almost impossible to manage. We can't mm-hmm. manage 24 hours mm-hmm. a day, like we all have the same, but what we can possibly influence a lot better is our energy and our focus. Mm. And that's, I think, mm. in the heart of what you just mentioned there. What would be, I mean, you, you shared a lot there, but where do you 
plays focus when it comes to energy. Like my understanding, again, just a little backstory into this is that I think that energy comes first, mm. you kind of generate the energy and then sort of ability to direct that energy towards mm. the right, you know, right, you know, experiences that we want to have in life or activities in business, which is obviously the focus. How do you see the correlation between energy and our focus? I would resonate with what you just shared, Tuomo, uh, because I think that when we have w w when we have the ability to awaken our our energy, what happens is focus comes easy. Focus comes yeah. easy. You know, if you are inspired by a, a compelling and a magnetic vision in one part of your life, so it could be your work, your career, your relationships, whatever that area is, if you have a compelling and a magnetic vision of what that should look like for you then you don't have to motivate yourself. You don't have to push yourself because it just pulls you forward. So mm -hmm. your ability to focus on what matters to get you to manifest that vision is going to be easy. Productivity will be easy. You, you know, for example, I'm in the process of trying to get my book out into the world. Now, because I want to make sure it gets out to as many people as possible, the focus I have to do the activities I know I need to do, to connect with the people and the communities I need to do, that's easy. It's just coming naturally to me. I'm just pulled to mm. want to do all these things. It's not like I have to push myself. Um, and so that's why you're right, Tom. I think energy comes first and focus. If we lack the energy, we're not inspired by what we're working on or doing. Well, it's going to be so difficult to focus because the first distraction that comes up, it's going to, it's, it's going to win. That distraction yeah. is going to win over your focus because you don't really have a emotional connection to what you're working on. Mm. So, when you are in a position in which you're energized by the work that you're doing, guess what? Focus will come easy. Focus will just flow uh, from that place uh, that you're that you're operating from. Yeah, thousand percent. I, I fully resonate with that. And let's uh, just sort of the the word that you mentioned there, which is which which is purpose mm. uh, or vision, if you will. I mean, there's maybe depending what mm. resonates with the, each person, but uh, I think that is highly correlated with the amount of energy we have um yeah obviously when you wake up in the morning and you have a mission that's larger than yourself mm -hmm. you have a sense of purpose i think that also generates a lot of energy on those days when it's dark mm -hmm. and rainy outside and so on and so forth now i know for, for me personally i've i've I think I've always had a lot of energy. That's maybe mm. from my sports background, like I'd be taking care of my health and so on and so mm. forth. But especially when I was traveling around the world, I felt quite a bit of like a purpose. I didn't feel like I was doing, I was doing because I was enjoying, I maybe mm. enjoying the lifestyle and so on and so forth. But there was no quote unquote larger cause. There was no larger mission or purpose, mm. if you will. But the energy was there. Mm. what would be it, like if 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 you met me 10 15 years ago what would be your advice to me how how would i start piecing together a sense of purpose in my life or what would be the starting points to go to sure. finding that out i think and i'm going to base it on my own experience because yeah. this is how i kind of went about uh, finding my purpose the first thing i would say is to put purpose to one side mm. and there's a reason i'm going to say this is because we can often use the fact that I don't know what my purpose is, so I'm not going to do anything about it as an excuse. Yeah. Until I know my purpose, then I will begin. But but that isn't how life works. You don't wake up one morning and go, Eureka, I know my purpose for the rest <laughs> of my life. 
I, I mean, unless un, unless it's in a Hollywood film, it, it just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Uh, so what I would do is I would say, put the purpose to one side for a moment and simply focus on the present because purpose is very much a future thing. Whereas present is you asking yourself, well, right now, what am I most curious about? That's mm. it. It's a very soft question, whereas mm. purpose can be very heavy. Oh, I got to do uh, a lot of work to discover my purpose. I got to travel to discover what my purpose is. But I know many people who have traveled to try and do their own eat, pray, love, if you will. But they end up coming back still not knowing what their purpose is. So for me, a softer place to start is just by asking yourself, what are you most curious about right now? Mm. And, and here's why that's a great question, because you're not attaching any uh, weight to whatever happens. You're just following your curiosity. In my case, my curiosity first led me uh, into the health industry in, in terms of uh, my entrepreneurial ventures. And then my curiosity led me into the food industry uh, where I was connecting uh, home chefs, private chefs with people that wanted to try cuisine and network at the same time. But clearly those things didn't work out because I'm doing something very different now. But without those experiences, I would not have learned some of the things that have allowed me to do what I'm now doing. Yeah. And from that point, my curiosity was, well, I've always enjoyed helping people. I wonder if I could make that a full-time career. And so that curiosity led me to attend a two-day seminar uh, to learn about coaching. And within months after going to those, to those two days uh, in London, I ended up signing with that company uh, to, to pursue my coaching certifications. Again, that was purely driven by my curiosity. It wasn't that I knew what my purpose was yet. But the thing was, because I wasn't distracted by that, I was just focused on you know, following the wisdom within my curiosities. And then once I started to embark on that journey, I felt how amazing it was to impact people's lives. And I think that's when the purpose started to come up. I started to ask myself, how can I do more of that? Maybe this is what I want to do long term. Maybe I want to feel something tangible, not just sit behind the computer screen and the whole thing feel abstract. I want to be out there and actually helping transform people's lives from where they are to actually where they want to be so they feel happier and that they contribute to the world we're living in. And that's how I think my purpose started to come to me. And so just going back right to the beginning, just to summarize, it's starting from that very simple question. What are you most curious about right now? Because mm. I think there is wisdom in our curiosities. There is a reason why you are thinking about something in, in the early mornings or something's keeping you awake or something's coming to you in your dreams. There's a reason why it keeps coming to you. Mm -hmm. And it's like inspiration. You know, if inspiration will hit you. But until you do something with it, it doesn't care. It'll just go to someone else. It might inspire someone else and they go on and do something. But the thing is, you've got to apply that feeling of curiosity. You, when that curiosity feeling comes up and says, oh, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Yeah, I love that. I'll, I'll take one, one nugget for me right there. What you just mentioned, there's what I think quickly from is that there's a lot of wisdom in the curiosity that's a good one I, I i let that i let that ruminate for a little while because because a lot of the times you know we ask these questions and we try to answer straight away mm. we try to answer like okay what is my purpose i need to find the answer straight away 
instead of leaving that door open and not actually seeking the answer straight away, letting it quote unquote ruminate, maybe, you know, sleep on it, obviously, and, 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 and turn all about it and let that question open more doors for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's at least from, for myself, I, I, like very performance oriented as well. And I'm always mm-hmm. finding, looking for, looking for answers instead mm-hmm. of asking better questions and leaving some of those questions open. And especially when it comes to quote unquote, finding your purpose or, you know, I think, I think that's a very, very powerful practice. And the other thing that you just mentioned there is that, you, you know, you've, it's, it's, it's a cliche, obviously, but it's so true that we find it on the path. It's, it's in the path itself. Indeed. In, indeed. And, and that is why, you know, when, when we talk about goals, uh, and I think one of the big paradox mm. about goals is that you need a goal to give context to the action that you take today. That's it. But at the same time, you can't make progress if you're too fixated on the goal. So the goal gives context for the action in the present, but then you put the goal to one side to focus on the one step you can take today. Mm. And it's the build up and the compound effect of those steps that result in the achievement of a goal. Now, I think when, and I was the same to when I first started in, in the world of coaching, it was always about goals, 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 goals. Now, what I realized the problem here is, is that when you hit a goal, often we get complacent. We, we kind of forget the things that we did in order to achieve the goal. Mm. So for me, I started to realize that the goal was less important than who we become in the process. And so focusing on the journey and the system that we can instill into our life, that is more important. Because when you put that as your foundation, you're setting yourself up to win again and again and again. Uh, And that's why lots of people talk about what are the habits for high performers? What are the habits that allow me to express my potential? Because once we put those things in place, you don't need motivation because the habits become your norm. And so for me, daily exercise has been a norm for years now. And that is how, just like yourself, you shared earlier, Toma, you get into a very high energetic state because we move our body, uh, we're moving this energy around and we're operating at a higher vibration than most people. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about curiosity as well, that for me is the essence of energy because yeah. to use an analogy, energy is, is like a language that has no words, yet you and I can hear it. You and I can feel it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you walk into a room and, and there'll be two people that approach you. You are naturally going to be attracted to one more than the other before each has said a single word. And that's energy speaking. Mm-hmm. There's a feeling that your energy matches the person that you're attracted to. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, you just don't know. You can't describe it or put in words, but there's something about that person that yeah. attracts you to him or her. Yeah. And that's energy speaking. Energy knows when you're going against your values. It knows when you're in a toxic relationship. And so listening to that inside of us is why, is why the popular saying goes, the longest journey we as humans make are the inches from our heads to our hearts. And that's because we tend to subdue those voices mm-hmm. uh, for, for what's in our head. Yeah, the, another word that comes to my mind from there is the is the misalignment or either alignment when when we are aligned with from the head to the heart. Um, uh, last question before we get into the book is is when it comes to energy and sort of piecing this kind of the conversation together in a very sort of tangible because I think and I, I think we all have sort of challenges especially in the mornings when it's when it's a rainy day and you don't quote unquote feel like it there's there's emotional burden something happened xyz and 
and uh, it's a quote unquote rainy day. Now, obviously, we, we, we mentioned about the purpose and that as a, as, a, as a driver, what do you either, what do you do to yourself to energize you in the morning when you don't feel like it? Or either how would you advise someone like, let, let's, let's start from yourself first, like when, sure. when you don't feel like it or you have the sort of quote unquote, a little bit of a you know, <laughs> downdraft, if you will. Well, well, I think, first of all, it's important to state that uh, we are all human. And, and mm. so you're not always going to feel energized first thing in the morning every day. There will be moments where, when you don't. So, you know, if you are living in a place in which it's raining a lot, it's dark uh, for for yep. many months of the year, then, of course, your energy is going to be very different than, than if you're living in California or you're living uh, in the Middle East when it's a very sunny most of the year. So there will be moments in which you don't feel as energized as you do on another day. The first thing to do is to express self-compassion, is to be kinder to yourself. Mm. Because what we can do by default is we can beat ourselves up. We can say, I, I didn't do this today. I'm not good enough. Uh, I just can't keep up the habits or mm. you know, I'm not making the progress I want. Well, that's not, gonna, that's not going to help anyone because that makes you less likely to want to keep up with it. The thing to focus on is what I call consistency over intensity. Mm. So when we're consistent, that is far more powerful than trying to be intense about what we do. So what I mean by this is it's far better just to do five minutes of exercise on a day when you're not feeling that great than it is just to skip it. And so this is where we have to adjust. So if I'm feeling particularly energized in the morning, I might want to go to the worker and a run and a swim because I've got a lot of energy in my system. Whereas maybe on another day in which I just don't feel that I've got much energy in the tank, then I might just go for a walk uh, around where I live, some time in nature, and I'm done. Hmm. So I think we have to be open to adapt and be flexible by listening to our body and what it needs in that moment. Hmm. So that would be my answer. And that's what I do. Uh, yeah. You know, it's consistency. I would still exercise, but I would be open and kind enough to manage what I do, how long I do it for, depending on my energy that day. So at least I can say I've done something. And I yeah. think that is most important. At least I've done something. It's the consistency that matters, not the intensity. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, you know, I love that the being kind to yourself. That's uh, that's definitely something that I need to I need to practice more of. I've 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 got pretty good at it. And I, you know, there's like gratitude practices in the morning and the evening, and they can be very very powerful for sure. Um, and then the, the the thing that you mentioned about consistency, I I always like to ask ask myself is like how am I consistent? Mm. Am I consistent in the right things, or am I consistent in the you know what am I consistent in? Like yeah. where is this consistency leading me to? Because a lot of people, they, they hear the word consistency. It's okay, I'm consistent, but mm. what am I consistent in? How am I consistent? Yeah. And, and, and what are those results? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and talking of questions, actually, I think there's a great question uh, that the listeners can reflect on to understand mm -hmm. what they must be consistent in. Because, again, what I want to be consistent, it may differ to what you need to be consistent in. And so a great question that I challenge readers to reflect on in the book is by asking yourself if i were to repeat my average day every day for the next 10 years would i be closer to or further away than where i want to be now that will of course depend on what your vision is your vision will differ to my vision 
Now, depending on what your vision is, is that a yes or no? Are you closer to or further away? Now, if it is further away, then the next question for you to ask yourself is then what must change? Mm -hmm. What must change in that average day for you to actually move closer to where you want to be? And that will tell you what you must be consistent in. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. That's I, I've heard that question before, I think, from you and, and from others as well in a little bit different context. But that, that's a powerful one because mm. a lot of the times we we look at the sort of the winning days, the when, <laughs> when things go well, and it's like, yeah, this is great. But I think to get to the destination or the goal or, you know, the creating the lifestyle of what you have or, you know, the, 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 the marriage or the relationship, it's more about those quote unquote average days because yeah. most of the days we spend on lack of a better word on average days. So what mm. do you do on those quote unquote normal days? That's what matters a lot more mm. than those, those wins and victories that come every now and then. So yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a powerful one. But, uh, but Samuel, let's get into the book, um, energize. Maybe you can swing it. You have it, you have it up there, right? Yep. I've got a copy right here. There we go. There we go. So, so, how i mean obviously we talk so much about energy that's you know the the crust of it if somebody's interested like how would one read it like how how would you structure the book is it you know you can just pick it up one page and go go about it but how did you structure the book sure well I'm, i'll give a bit of background because i think this this sort of makes understanding the book uh more interesting for for the listeners so when i uh first started having conversations with the publisher the, the working title was actually Energy is Everything. That, that mm. was the original working title. And then as I got writing and we, uh, we started to edit the, uh, the material, we, we evolved the title into what you see now, which is Energize. Um, and, and that's because we felt that the word was more action-oriented. Uh, and in, in the early drafts of the book, I actually segmented the book into the different buckets that I shared with you, the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual energy. Mm -hmm. but, as, but as I started to write it, I noticed there were in some cases overlaps between uh, some of these different buckets. And so what I wanted to do, because a lot of my, a lot of my thinking has been influenced by my, uh, my likes for books like Robin Sharma's books, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, yeah. uh, The Leader With No Title, The Alchemist, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. Uh, but also the practical books, uh, the books that give you the tools, the questions and the exercises to apply what's being uh, what's being said in the book. So as the drafts and the edits went along, the book shifted away from that first style and more towards a narrative. So I wanted mm -hmm. to take the reader then on the journey, uh, which in a way, Tuama, mirrored my own journey, uh, you, you know, from that experience of burnout, of being spiritually unfulfilled uh, to what I now do today. And so the book now is split into four parts. The first part is Awaken. So I've called that Awaken uh, your, your Energy. So that's really well, how do I get to a point in which I'm igniting some of this stuff inside of me? The second part is called Rewire Your Energetic State. Uh, so that touches a lot more on the mental and the emotional side. Uh, the third part is Protect Your Personal Energy. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's very much that once you do have the energy, you've got to be careful how you, how you channel that and how you use it. And then the last part, which is kind of, if you will, uh, mirrors how I speak when I present. So when I present to uh, audiences or I deliver a keynote, I like to finish my presentation with what I call a crescendo. So to sort of like really uh, inspire them when they, walk out, when they walk out of the auditorium. And so the last part of the book I call Supercharge. 
Uh, and that's really how do we take what we learn in the book and supercharge ourselves so that when we go out in the world, uh, we're able to adapt regardless of what happens in the external environment. I yeah, love that. Love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of energy and I'm definitely going to get my hands on that <laughs> book. And, and uh, it's in interesting enough, like, I, you know, you know, it's a long time ago by now, but 2017, we actually did a retreat here mm. for about 20 to 25 people, locals here in French Polynesia. And, and it was uh, four pillars of change, mm. but it was about mental, spiritual, emotional and, and physical sides. Mm. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the, those four pillars as well. Um, I'm just going to pull this one comment out from here. Just, just dropped in from the Facebook. Thank you for a, a, awakening my curiosity with your sharings. I love the questions that you have been proposing keep, to keep asking. That's, uh, mm. that's from the Facebook. Thank you. Side. Thank you so much for the comment. And, you know, that, that just reminded me, just reading this comment that you you shared, Tomo, that you remember early on we talked about the power of questions versus seeking solutions and answers. Mm many many of us go straight to brainstorming answers but i think a great first step to experiment with is a term that i first read in, in harvard business review uh, called question storming well mm. how can we how can we uh, come together and brainstorm questions rather than brainstorm solutions so what are the questions that we would like to ask ourselves and the team or the people we're working with and let's just throw all these questions on a whiteboard and pick out the really interesting questions that can open our minds to think different. Um, and, and so your comment, uh, Miram, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, uh, just reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and it's, uh, it's an interesting practice. Like you can obviously, you know, do that with a group of people. I'm, I'm a big fan of journaling as well. I'm sure you yeah. are as well. well. I haven't asked, but I, I assume you, you use journaling as well. And... Uh, because a lot of the we are in these devices and you know digital devices and you know our, our it almost feels like our brain is on overdrive even if we're trying to slow down as much as we can but yeah. once you have a old school quote-unquote pen and paper long-handed way it's almost like it slows you down because yeah. you it's... have to you when you're writing down it's a slower way mm. of of writing than even typing definitely and, and I think that's that's a great way of having some journaling prompts and, you know, these kind of questions that you've been asking from us mm -hmm. today and not necessarily even trying to find the answer, as we mentioned, but just mm -hmm. just type that question and leave it there and maybe come back to it in a few days and see uh, see what comes up. Definitely. I, I'm a big fan of, of journaling and writing, Tomo. I mean, for me, the experience of writing, especially the traditional way of pen to paper, mm -hmm. It is the cheapest form of therapy. It is the cheapest form of therapy. And as my uh, as my good friend Diana Chow uh, mentioned, uh, and I meant I share her story in my book because she has an incredible story. Mm -hmm. um, she she mentioned in one of her TED talks that writing is humanity distilled into ink. Writing is humanity mm -hmm. distilled into ink because as we write and as we get more uh, familiar with our thoughts we begin to understand our own humanity at a deeper level. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful one. Um, and a powerful one at the same time. Another one that I just heard recently is paper is patient. Mm. <laughs> paper is more patient than, than humans. It's, just, it's yeah. just sitting there for you to unload your thoughts and emotions mm. into this piece of paper. And, and I think it's interesting because when you, when, when you take what we're saying to them, we, 
we begin to realize that actually that silence is never empty, but it's yeah. full of answers. Because yeah. when we are patient, as you said, and your paper is patience, uh, writing is humanity distilled into ink. The reason why these things are so true is because in that space of silence and exploration, it is abundant with answers. It is abundant with answers. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure. A lot of gems shared today. I'm super, super excited and about your book and definitely want to congratulate you. I know it's not fully officially out, but it's, it's, it's about there. The excitement yeah, well, we're is... only a few weeks away now, but uh, you, you know, you, you can place a pre-order now and uh, yeah. as an author, and if you have published books, you will know pre-orders are so, so helpful yeah. uh, because it does signal to the publisher and the retailers that there is demand for the book. Uh, and it just means they will stop more uh, in the store to help with visibility. That's it. That's it. I'll drop that link into the uh, show notes if you're listening to this in the podcast format or if you check this out on LinkedIn Live or Facebook Live or even YouTube. I'll drop those links into the comment section so you can definitely get your hands on to energize Simon's first book. Super excited. Uh, any last departing thoughts if somebody's struggling with their energy right now? What would be sort of maybe one to two easy places to start start with? Of you, you mentioned about the energy audit, which is a great sure. one. Anything else that you wanted to leave us um, that we can take away? Yeah, I think I, I will finish with uh, a powerful exercise. So if you are going through a particularly tough time at the moment, or you're not feeling high in energy, this exercise will elevate and transform your energy immediately. And so take time to do this exercise. The first step is to write down the name of somebody that you can be grateful for. The first person that comes into your mind. It could be a partner. It could be a colleague, a mentor, a coach, a friend. Whoever comes to your mind first, write the name of that individual down. Second step is to write down in as much detail as you can why you chose that person. What did they do for you specifically that has positively influenced your life? What would life be like if they weren't in your life? How different would your life look like? Write this down in as much detail as you can so that you can really see and feel uh, this person now uh, doing those things, reminding you of how important they are. And the third step is, is where the magic really kicks in. The third step I want you to do is once you've got all of that information down, is to pick up your phone, call that person, and read out exactly what you wrote. Wow. That is gratitude with intention. And as Pam Grout noted, gratitude with intention is a gateway drug to abundance. Get gratitude with an intention is a gateway drug to abundance. Beautiful. Empowering. That's a absolutely fantastic way to wrap this up. So Simon, one more time, thank you so much. I'm very, very grateful for your time. I know you have a little one in the house, <laughs> same as we do have here. Um, thank you. That's all I can say. Thank you so much. Tuomo, as always, always enjoy our conversations together. And thank you so much for having me on as your guest. Yeah, absolutely.